Welcome back to These Are The Words. I'm Eric Grun, and we're going to pick up in the introduction of the book written by Hero Monk Damascene called Christ the Eternal Tao. The introduction, Lao Tzu and the Ancient Greeks. My teachings are very easy to understand and to practice, yet there is no one in the world who is able either to understand or to practice them. This is because my teachings have an originating principle and arise from an integrated system. This is not understood, so I am unknown. Lao Tzu, Gi Ming Xin, the translation. Of the Logos, which is as I describe it, people always prove to be uncomprehending, both before and after they have heard of it. For although all things happen according to this Logos, people behave as if they have no experience. Even when they experience such words and deeds, as I explain, when I, when I distinguish each thing according to its constitution and declare how it is, the rest of humanity fails to notice what they do after they wake up, just as they forget what they do when asleep. That was written by Heraclitus. Heraclitus or Heraclitus. I'll read it again. Of the Logos, which is as I describe it, people always prove to be uncomprehending, both before and after they have heard of it. For although all things happen according to this Logos, people behave as if they have no experience, even when they experience such words and deeds as I explain when I distinguish each thing according to its constitution and declare how it is. The rest of humanity fails to notice what they do after they wake up, just as they forget what they do when asleep. <clears throat> the Tao, Logos, the Logos, the Tao. Christ, the eternal Tao, was inspired by the life of the Chinese scholar, hero monk, Seraphim Rose, then known as Eugene Rose, and by his teacher, the, philo the philosopher, Gi Ming Xin. In Gi Ming's transmission of the ancient Chinese tradition, 
one is struck by how closely it resembles the ancient Greek tradition. And Gi Ming, in fact, taught that the early Chinese and Greek philosophers were basically alike in their view of the universe. In the history of ancient China, Father Seraphim said, there are moments when it is absolutely incredible how the same things happened in Chinese life as happened in the West, even though there was no outward connection between the two civilizations. The first of the Greek philosophers, Thales, and so forth, lived about the 6th century BC, just about the time Confucius was in China and Buddha was in India. It is as though there really was a spirit of the times. Heraclitus, or Heraclitus, born in the middle of the 6th century BC, was one of these first Greek philosophers. For the riddling character of his writings, he was surnamed the Obscure, even in antiquity. He based his philosophy on the Logos, a word which itself means word, but which bears the connotations of measure, proportion, and pattern. The Logos of Heraclitus, according to one textbook of Greek philosophy, is the first principle of knowledge, understanding of the world involves understanding of the structure or pattern of the world, a pattern concealed from the eyes of ordinary men. The Logos is also the first principle of existence, that unity of the world, that unity of the world process which sustains it as a process. This unity lies beneath the surface for it is a unity of diverse and conflicting opposites, in whose strife the Logos maintains a continual balance. The Logos maintains the equilibrium of the universe at every moment, although Heraclitus taught that all things change and nothing remains at rest, he knew the Logos to be itself stable. The the measured pattern of flow. At about the same time that Heraclitus lived in Greece, there lived in China the philosopher Lao Tzu, old master. Lao Tzu wrote of the same universal pattern or ordering principle that Heraclitus, Heraclitus styled the Logos. I do not know its name, he said, but characterize it as the way, Tao. The, the Tao being a symbol basic to Chinese thought, as the Logos was to ancient Greek thought. For Lao Tzu, the way was precisely what its adopted name signified. 
in its full metaphysical sense, the way, path, or pattern of heaven, the course that all things follow. The way is the uncreated cause of all things. It is the, it is the way that creates. It is the way that creates. And it is the way that nourishes, develops, cares for, shelters, comforts, and protects. The creation, balancing the strife of opposites by itself, not contending. Of the writings of Heraclitus, only a handful of fragments have come down to us. But from Lao Tzu, we have a fully, a full 81 chapters of the Tao Te Ching. Of all the ancient philosophers, Lao Tzu came the closest to assimilating the essence of reality and describing the Tao or Logos. His Tao Te Ching represents the epitome of what a, a human being can know through intuition through the apprehension of the universal principle and pattern manifested in the created order. Six centuries after Heraclitus and Lao Tzu, there lived on the Greek island of Patmos an old white-haired hermit named John. While exiled in a cave on the island, he dictated to his disciple Prochorus what he had received from direct revelation from the heavenly realm, from divine vision, and thus spoke to the world words that it never thought to hear. In the beginning was the Logos, and the Logos was with God, and the Logos was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not, and the Logos became flesh, and dwelt among us, and he and we beheld his glory. This was that very Logos of which Heraclitus had said the people always had said the people always proved to be uncomprehending. This was the very Tao that Lao Tzu had said no one in the world is able to understand. It is not without reason that sensitive Chinese translators of St. John's Gospel, knowing the Tao meant to the Chinese, what the Logos meant to the Greeks have rendered the first line of the Gospel to read, in the beginning was the Tao. When the Apostle John wrote his Gospel, he was no doubt aware of the common Greek philosophical symbol of the Logos. But as can be clearly seen by a comparison of that Gospel with the riddles of Heraclitus or the writings of other philosophers, when he spoke from Revelation, he was not merely borrowing an old term, rather he was transforming it, 
bringing it into the light of the fullness of mystical knowledge. When we, when he spoke of the logos, it was now no longer in riddles, as from one who had only glimpsed its traces in nature. For now, the logos, the creator, sustainer, pattern, and ordering principle of nature was made flesh and dwelt among us for the only time in history. And John, his disciple, had seen him. He had beheld his glory and heard the words which proceeded from his mouth, being offered the ultimate closeness to him who had only been dimly seen before. He had even lain on his breast and in the greatest of mysteries had received him into himself at the Last Supper. Thus, while Lao Tzu's Tao, Tao Te Ching represents the highest that a person can know through intuition, St. John's Gospel represents the highest that a person can know through revelation, that is, through God making himself known and experienced in the most tangible way possible. <clears throat> the identification of Tao with Logos has not only a philosophical but also a scriptural base. In St. John's Gospel, Christ, the incarnate Logos, calls himself the Way, Tao, John 14, 6. And in the Acts of the Apostles, we read how the first followers of Christ referred to their new faith simply as the Way. Hero Monk, Seraphim, and Gi Ming Xin. Growing up in the late 1940s and early 1950s, the, aforemen the aforementioned Father Seraphim rejected the modern American Christianity in which he had been raised, finding it to be boring, sterile, and empty. In quest of a true apprehension of reality, he undertook an extensive study of the ancient Chinese tradition, first under Alan Watts, and then under a more authentic transmitter of this tradition, the humble and virtuous Gi Ming Xian. Gi Ming had studied under sages in China, among whom were Ouyang, Qing Wu, and Ma Ye Fu as well as with some of the greatest Chinese thinkers of the 20th century. Under his tutelage, Father Seraphim learned ancient Chinese in order to study the Tao Te Ching in the original language. He helped Gi Ming to translate the Tao Te Ching into English, and Gi Ming opened to him the deeper meaning of its contents. It was Gi Ming who first told Father Seraphim that the Logos of the ancient Greeks is the same as the Tao of Lao Tzu. <clears throat> From
from the writings of the French metaphysician René Guénon, René Guénon, <coughs> Father Seraphim had learned the necessity of adhering to the traditional orthodox form of a religion. This enabled him to value Yi Ming as an orthodox representative of the Chinese tradition, and then led him finally, unexpectedly, back to the ancient orthodox form of the religion he had rejected in his younger days. Just as the ancient Greeks had once seen the fulfillment of their philosophy in the revelation of Christ, so Father Seraphim recognized the fulfillment of the philosophy of Lao Tzu in the ancient Orthodox Christianity that the Greeks, and by extension the Russians, had preserved. Qi Ming Xian later disappeared mysteriously to the great sadness of Father Seraphim, who to the end of his days remembered him with the deepest admiration and gratitude. Father Seraphim went on to become an Orthodox Christian monk and writer in the mountains of Northern California, and since his death in 1982, he has unexpectedly become one of the best-loved spiritual writers in Russia. It was through him that the writer of the present book discovered the depth of ancient, unadulterated Christianity, and along with Father Seraphim, found it to be the fullness of what he had been probing for in Lao Tzu. This book is an offering to those of like mind who have found much of contemporary American Christianity to be trivial and cliché, and yet who still have a longing for Christ. Through the wisdom of ancient God-illumined Christian teachers, whom we have quoted extensively, we will show that Christ's revelation is indeed the consummation of what had been glimpsed by the great pre-Christian sages. Okay, I'm going to continue the next episode in the next episode with uh, modern the uh, the third section of the introduction modern syncretism versus ancient apologetics okay so thank you for listening god bless you may you have a blessed day and evening and thank you for listening god bless god bless